Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Woo, playing to make you 104.5 The Zone. Yee. Lots of talk today about salary cap. Titans, hey, man, in, in one week. I think they should, we should get an interview. Me, you, Lucas, and Robert. I think all four of our brains together could equal one GM. You think? A quarter of a GM. Each of us is a quarter of a GM. Yeah, yeah. That Robert is saying no. He's he's he can do it by himself. No, I'm saying I think combined our brains <laughs> are a multi talented. Oh, that's what you're saying. I, I don't know, man. I, I'd like to take a swing at it, Mickey. We sat here figuring out how to calculate what was it <laughs> winning percentage the other day. That, that, we really had to put our heads well, well, together. Well, he, didn't, he didn't say salary cap. Uh, I didn't say math cap. manager. I said general manager, sir. There I was math have, involved. I would have somebody no, with a calculator person. in the room. Person. I would have Vin okay. Marino. Oh, yeah, and I would Vin, go, yeah. do this math for me, please, right, Mr. Sure. Vin. I knew you were going to bring it The great up. Vin Marino. Yeah, don't be throwing math in my face. Oh, man. Uh, come on. Come on, Robert. What you got to say? I know you got something to say. He keeps turning his mic on and saying nothing. Yeah. Lucas is in charge of the mic. I control first, the mic. The only thing that I think I would be able to manage would be all of us being in the same place at one time. Other than that, I don't know what I should be in charge of. Maybe I could be like the chauffeur. Just the logistics. Of I, I'm just the guy who rides you guys around. No, you make I, all the big decisions. No, I, got, I just got I got a job for you. You'll be our analytic guy. When I think of keen analytical minds, no, not, no face comes an analytic my guy mind, right there, man. Robert when you look me in the face, the one thing you think keen analytics analytic. analytic. yeah. <laughs> i would hire you as my analytics guy yeah you'll be my eric eager guy yeah oh <laughs> uh, man it just rebel off numbers all the time aj said robert could answer the door for pizza in <laughs> <laughs> the no. tv chat oh man robert likes pizza i like pizza and he's also gonna be robert's also gonna be He's going to have multi-layered of duties. But this one duty will be he's the one that's going to always have to stand in front of the media and have conversations as representing the GM. Yep. Because, you know, that's changed a lot now. Back in my day, you know, the GM, you didn't hardly ever see him out in the forefront. Now the GM with all the social media and all these, you know, pro football reference and all these analytics out there just bashing all the GMs about their decisions. (laughs) (laughs) Robert's going to be the one to squash all of that. Yeah. Yeah. But there you have it. Hey, that that was a great saver, man. I, I love. I wish I could do that. That'd be cool. Then you just find out real quick, like, ooh, this is a tough gig. <laughs> so, so here's here's this is where we got to. So we were talking salary cap savings according to Spot Track. It was sixteen about three weeks ago. Then it went to eighteen in the middle of the night one night because I looked one night late and I looked again the next morning. It was two million difference. Nobody could tell me why. From Monday of this week until now, something has happened. They've added a charge or taken something away. The Titans, $24 million over the cap for 2023. So all these cats that are interviewing, I hope they're not listening in the car right now, unless they're like, oh, I'm a math wizard. I'm going to figure this out. But we figured it out for them. So we, we listed some potential cut candidates, and there's a different charge before 6-1 than there is after June the 1st. But Lawan is 14.8. 
if you cut Dupree before before June first, that's nine point three five. Cunningham is is roughly the same before or after. He's nine point two five. Robert Woods is twelve. Mm-hmm. If you made those four moves just tomorrow or whenever you made them, and that's not taking Danico Autry, who's seventeen or seven point two five, seven point two five into the into the picture, or Randy Bullock at two point one. I think they kept Caleb Shudak because they want him to be the kicker next year. He just got a futures deal. Mm-hmm. They want him to keep pushing Randy Bullock enough to take the job. But I'm not putting those guys on there. Forty five point four million. Mm. That's that's moving on from Lawan Dupree, Cunningham, Robert Woods. Four moves nets you forty five point four million, give or take a few decimal points here or there. Mm. That's before you do anything else. That's before you go Tannehill. Five mil. Hey man, we're going to restructure something. Kick your can even further down the road because we need more money from Tannehill. So that's forty five minus twenty four. Yep. <laughs> That's twenty one million then for everything else that you want to do. Uh uh-uh. uh, nah, mm mm, ain't gonna work. Uh, uh-uh. no, right? Yeah, not everything. But uh, yeah, we haven't got the rest of Bullock and Ben Jones and whoever else, and maybe even Austin. So Ben Jones, if whatever he does, if you did it after six one, if you cut him or retire him or whatever, whatever everybody wants to do, you could get six million from Ben after six one. It's about half that before. It's about three. Before then, yeah. let's back up, back up, back up to the forty-five million. Which then, after you subtract that from the hole that they're in, yeah. you said it's twenty-one million. Yeah. I then I signed Jeff immediately. However, construction it won't take up the whole twenty-one because it doesn't work up like oh, that. Oh no, no, you but it'd that, be a low number to start with. That, that sure. way, I I get it. You know where I want and understand what direction I need to go and how much I can spend in other positions. Whether it's a receiver, an offensive tackle, some people would say sign an offensive tackle first. I'm sure most scouts and GMs would probably say go after that tackle first if for free agent. But I didn't like any of the tackles out there really. They'd like, oh, blow me away as far as free agent. Oh, you know, Lando Brown. I mean, that was, and then he's he's an up and down. When you watch him, I don't know about him against some speed, right? But you know, he's the best out there to me. Uh, so I, yeah, I don't know. They may be forced to, may have no choice. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that because those you got and then the draft we haven't done any draft. I just don't know if there are some big times. There are some some more. Let's use Taylor Lewan's out there in the first round in the top eleven picks because Lewan went eleventh. So how many of these guys going to be graded as top ten guys? Mm-hmm. It's it's coming out now. That doesn't mean just because they go there, but were they graded there? Because that means some people are going to take need. So you know, there's a whole deal of research that needs to be done on free agency and and draft and then that kind of leads you down the road of what you're going to do starting with free agency what's available uh that you like and you want to put on your team that fits your scheme uh so and i don't know all that we tried to get into a little bit of that yesterday but orlando brown's the only guy that kind of stood out the rest of them were nah <laughs> nah, nah not, not where we're trying to go um. Yeah, I mean, then, then you have to start thinking. Okay, I have at eleven, and they got pick number eleven. Well, you're not going to get one of the top two quarterbacks, so you can forget that. Probably won't get the top tackle. Maybe not the second tackle. Maybe maybe you get the second tackle eleven. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you get the, the second receiver, the second mm-hmm. maybe. Right. Um. 
and you're not going to spend first round pick on uh, many more things than that, are you? I yeah, mean, a quarterback, tackle. a tackle, a pass rusher, yeah. a cornerback, or a receiver, right? I yeah, mean, that's, that, that's that's it. Yeah. So you you know you try to look and see who who you can get the best at your spot. So then you're evaluating receiver, cornerback, and tackle with that number eleven. If you don't move, and what's the highest rated guy you got on your board? And to me. It's still that the, the offensive tackle. I'm trying to protect my quarterback because whether I'm with Tanning or not, I still have to get my future blindside tackle. And I got to start. I can't get my quarterback killed, even if I mean Tanning. I mean, we saw what happened this year. Yeah, and any of them are going to get killed behind your current situation. Well, it, it, for people who wonder, because I looked, I thought surely there's there's nothing left on Dennis Daly's contract. He's a free agent. But, oh, I, don't, I didn't. I didn't know who you were, twice daily. Twice daily. Mm-hmm. Is, He's a guard. He has returned to the market. Watch this. But I would consider bringing him back as a guard. See? Ah. Mm. Somebody just drove their car off the road out yeah, there. They, they, I'm telling you, that offensive tackle position, the athleticism that you must have to play it, man, you don't understand. Most of these guys are basketball players. That's why they have so much success. Somewhere down the road, these offensive tackles play basketball. I don't care if it's back in high school. That's how they know how to move and can handle all these big guys. I'm a bird watching that, and I'm not even a, a offensive tackle expert. But I used to go against it because they say, hey, your get off is just like the guy that's coming. Now, I didn't have the size, but the get off, the speed. I'm like, man, he's actually backpedaling and scooching back to where he's trying to meet them instead of going straight back and let them come to him. And then he's getting out of there so fast because he's worried about his speed because he can't get back. Then they just inside move him. So, man, he he's. I'm not going to say that the guy can't play, but he definitely not the tackle. I would be interested to see him play guard, and not as a starter, but more so as a backup. I, I think that. And then we, somebody mentioned the, what was it, the Marcus, uh, Marco Jones. He never even played. Somebody asked me the other day, is that a real person? Yeah, he never he never played, so there's no way I'd bring him back. He has, to, he has part, I think he has another year left on No! His, I think Marco Jones does. I think so. I think he's this like a million savings or whatever if you part ways with him. He gave you nothing. Okay. I mean, this is all a, he gave us punch Sailor Lawan at the time that he was here. Man, I, I've man, what, in <laughs> my, whatever he did in the world that I played in, that's called stealing. He was stealing money, man. What the heck? I mean, how you hurt almost the whole entire year? You didn't, man. Right, man. He was right. in and out of. I, I don't. I don't. Right, I'm gonna find this Whoa. for you, Jamarco Jones. And he got another year on his deal. What? Well, just add him. I'm sure he didn't have a lot of salary. But I, I'd cut him before I cut the, the he, kicker. Jamarco <laughs> Jones has he signed a two year deal worth four point eight million dollars. So his, he make it two and a half. His base salary is two this coming year. His cap hit is two point eight five. His dead cap is one point four. So you could essentially save one point four basically by just telling yeah. him, Hey man, yeah. just keep on trucking. I I'm I'm a I'm a cruel GM man. I I'm cutting him before I cut my Bullock. Well, it's 1.4 right there for Jamarco Jones. Yeah, I, I, can, okay. I can't. Well, it's half your Bullock money. Yeah, we, I got to be in. You got to build your team inside out. You're you telling him to go from especially inside when to out, of like Rabel. out of the building. Yeah, out. Bye. <laughs> I mean, especially a Vrabel built team. Like this, this I got to start there. We we got to get out of line as close as possible. You can't do it all in one year, but I got to start setting the, the pieces there, and it, it, it starts at the. The t- all teams start with not only the quarterback, but the blindside tackle, the pass rusher, and a, and a corner. Now, especially all the passing that goes on in this league. Got to have a, you know, in th- this version of a stud corner. Yeah, you see that guy? I think he made all pro. They came out with the all pro, too, by the way. I think Sertan was all pro. I think he was a rookie. Yeah, he was. 
Yeah. Yeah, he was pretty good. We have nobody on our team like that. And I'm talking about just that looks like him, okay. that move like him. That's what Caleb Farley was supposed to be. <laughs> hey, I mean, just as far as size, length, length, and everything else. His calf wasn't firing. That got fixed. What, what are you talking about? Caleb Farley, he said that. He said somebody's calf wasn't yeah, it's out there now. His calf wasn't firing. Remember when Tiger Woods' oh, butt that, didn't work? Oh, that's why he wasn't running fast? Well, I mean, that's another surgery because apparently he got that fixed too. No, he didn't have a. If your calf is not firing, it, it, it's something else. It's not the calf. Deep tissue. You got to just go get somebody to rub it out. I don't know. It, it, to me, that goes back to the back. <laughs> it, it, I, I'm just. I'm not a doctor, but if your calf not firing, man, you, your body is a, a man. It's a wonderland. It, oh man, it, your calf isn't firing. Well, why is that? Is it uh, broke down? <laughs> like it's not a car. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, it's, it's probably his back, and he was getting some nerve damage. And the reason why I say that, I'm a very observant player. And when I played, I'm going to use the living legend, Bruce Matthews, right calf, did, was deteriorating. And I asked him one day in the meeting room, because I said, I see when you run out, you look like you're limping. He says, it's because... I have nerve damage in my back. I refuse to get surgery because I've had the surgery before and I'm not going to do it again. So I'm going to keep playing until I don't have too many more years left. So that's why my calf, and this is strong calf, right calf is deteriorated because his wasn't his back was getting pinched and it was pinching a nerve and that was going down to his calf. So when I say stuff that off the rail, I'm coming from a logical point of view. May not be the same situation, but I would assume that it is. Yeah, his back, Terry McCormick, first-round pick, Caleb Farley, former first-round pick, said a pinched nerve caused his calf muscles to not fire properly, costing him all, costing him his speed. He said the surgery, which is his back surgery, he said surgery corrected the problem, and he's ready to work on it this offseason so he can compete for a job. Mm. Doctor, hey man, y'all better start putting Doctor Bishop in front of my name, man. Doctor Bishop, <laughs> hey, and that's the asking the living legend because it, it was. I was like, damn man, what happened to your calf? That's your strong calf. It's it looks like it's the weak calf. It looks actually. Where did it go? Because he had huge where calves. Did it go? He had huge calves. So you could see the difference. I'm like, damn man, said, nope, I'm not getting that back surgery. I had it with 1986 or something. He said, I don't know when he first got in the NFL. Said, I'm not getting it till I'm done. All right, well, we're done with this segment. Uh, we're going to ro- rope some calves, uh, and then we're going to talk to Buck Rising, who's going to join Yahoo! us next. Buck Rising next. I want- Searching HVAC near here. Right here, ma'am. How can we help? Wow, nobody local? Huh. Wait, what? We are an HVAC company literally in your neighborhood. Why is she not seeing us? Just all the big chains. Well, it is what it is. What in the... Can you not see, see us? us? Nope, they can't see you. Because you're buried deep in the list of local HVAC providers. You are invisible online. Introducing Cumulus Boost. Get a boost, get found, get on the map. Learn more at CumulusBoost.com. Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's what women binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend Amanda Lee. Scott Grimes is here Thank with you. us. Voiceover, that is like my dream job. I think I just have too distinctive a voice and I can't manipulate it. That's why I'm right. not a good singer. This is how great Seth MacFarlane is. I went in to do it and I was talking like this and he goes, good, now just get rid of the next thing that you just did because it's one, it's ugly. And then I just came out like this and came up with this guy named Steve Smith who has a tiny little lisp, but so does Scott Grimes, so it's perfect. What women binge wherever you listen. Oh, four, five, the zone. Playing the Mickey 
104.5 The Zone, Smashville, calling all parrot heads. It's Margaritaville Nights. It's Preds game on January 26th versus the New Jersey Devils. If you want to be caller five now, you can win tickets to see the Preds host those same Devils on January 26th. Yes, that day at Bridgestone Arena, 615-737-1045. Caller five, puck drops at seven. It's when the game starts. You can celebrate Margaritaville Night by a special Theme night ticket, you get a Preds-branded Hawaiian shirt. You can wear that out on the town. Experience Smashville this month. Visit NashvillePredators.com slash tickets and do not miss out. Tough loss for the Preds last night. Um, no tough losses for Buck Rising. He joins us now, courtesy of our friends at Two Rivers for Buck, welcome in. Buck, brought to you again by Two Rivers Ford, home of the non-commissioned salespeople. So I'll ask you this. You're Amy Adams Strunk. What is the first thing... Amy Adams Rising Buck is asking each one of these GM candidates who's never GM'd before when they sit down sometime over the, well, yesterday and today and whenever it all happens, what's your first question for each one of these cats when he sits down? What do you think we are and what do you think we need to be? Or how far away from what you think we need to be are we right now? Like that's, it's it's a big question and there's a variety of different um layers and branches to all of that but like they they fundamentally have a problem with what they're capable of doing and what they're currently built to do they're not able to live up to what it is is their quote-unquote identity as a football team um and really kind of on both sides of the ball the the second the 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 jags game at least in the first half before they started bringing pressure they were not getting home with four. And that was, you know, with guys getting the rest that we talked about. And I know Jeff uh, was very honest with us um, in the locker room about what he's been doing to keep his ankle up. But they've got a they've got a larger philosophical question that they need to answer before they can start putting pieces in place. Okay. So they, in, they interviewed two guys who were already in the building. There's an obvious candidate in the building and Tim Kelly candidate – who could who could interview and have a shot at the OC job? How important do you think it is, Buck, for them to look outside the organization for a GM and or also for a new offensive coordinator? I mean, I it's definitely good to get different ideas um, throughout the course of this interview process, and you know, whomever the best candidate is is the thing that only they can answer having sat through these interviews themselves in this process. But I would say, you know, if you're going to play devil's advocate, because I listen, when you fire your offensive coordinator and you fire your general manager, I feel like it's totally understandable for people to look at that and be like, well, these guys are still here, but we're obviously a part of the thing that got their boss fired. What do you want with these guys? And that speaks for all three of them. Right. Um, but I do think that it does lend itself to having a much, much better view of what the actual core of the pro- uh, or root problem is for them to be able to identify with that institutional knowledge. Now, you know, it just it gives them a little bit of a leg up. These guys are all going to have done their research. And if they haven't, they're not going to be, you know, candidates for very long. Um, but I, I don't I'm not at all opposed to them bringing in outside ideas, outside eyes on a situation that's been very internal for the better part of seven years now. Um, but I don't think it's like the first thing on my, on my criteria list. 
Buck Rising, of mm-hmm. uh, the Buck Rising Show, and the install with Greg Cosell, and A to Z Sports, and Titans pregame, and many other things. Joins us now here on Blaine and Mickey at Buck Rising on Twitter. Follow him now. Well, Buck, I'm going to ask this a little bit differently than uh, Mickey. If you are the GM, GM Buck, what are you doing with the Tennessee Titans team? How you doing? <laughs> well, I'm not doing very well. At this point. <laughs> no, you just got hired, so you you have nothing to do with what happened. You just got hired. What yeah. are you doing? Right, you're just the one who everybody's looking at as the as the savior, right? Which is yeah. even a uh, you know, it's it's certainly a challenge for whomever takes this job. But um, you know, I think first and foremost, uh, the thing that is the most important is to understand where Mike Grable's head is at right now, like. Because that is the person who Amy Adams Strunk has, you know, stay over all of it. And it ultimately is her decision when she is asked for her involvement and when she, you know, feels it's necessary for her to be involved. But, like, I need to understand what Mike thinks about this football team. I need to have a very, very long and in-depth conversation about, okay, the reasons why you moved on from your offensive coordinator. What exactly was it for you? Was it the lack of production um, as far as the uh, as far as the total offense was concerned, we heard the word consistency a lot. What does that mean to you, Mike? Um, is it the consistency with which you're running the football on first downs with little to no success? Even though Derrick Henry is somebody who you very very much value, I need to know where Mike's head is at before any of this can start. Um, and honestly, I think for the most part, they can they can continue to build around what is still a core of this team, which is Derrick Henry. And I think Ryan Tannehill being the most reasonable and feasible option moving forward. By the way, Ian Rappaport reporting that Sean McVay intends to return as the Rams coach. That's just coming across our desks right now for people following coaching searches and things of the like, which I'm sure we're going to get to. Um, but then from there, you know, I think it's, uh, all right, the, the focus on where Jeff is, uh, Jeff Simmons is in his uh, contract negotiations, how far apart are we and how quickly do we need to get ahead of this thing or are you good with the idea of team control and riding it out i would lean towards the latter because you got bigger fish to fry than jeff right now is as blasphemous as that may seem the offensive line um is is the most important part of this football team to get right both for Derek's sake and for whomever the quarterback ends up being that is the thing on the roster most fundamentally that needs the most amount of work well, one question there, and I don't know the answer. And I don't even know if you do. I think we're all making an assumption is, you know, that Mike Vrabel is the one who fired Downing. Did he get malarkeyed or did was that his sole decision? No, I don't think it, I, based on my understanding, mm-hmm. they have been trending this way for a while. Um, and Mike's biggest holdup on all of this is, well, I'm not going to make changes in the season. I think that obviously Amy was consulted and they, these things were discussed. Um, but ultimately the decision was Mike's to make. I don't think there was any kind of overwhelming malarkey was like a different level of pressure. Like obviously people, there has been a, a winter of discontentment with Todd Downing, but this is not quite the same thing, even though there's obvious parallels that you can draw. Um, you know, it'd been trending this way for some time and ultimately Mike's, Mike's decision to keep Todd in place was as much about not disrupting everything else around it, even though, you know, it was kind of a 
kind of felt like a dead man walking situation for a couple of weeks there. Well, being that it seems like Vrabel is having a lot of, I guess, control here, uh, do you think he's willing to tweak the offense, not getting away from his base principles, but they have to be much more creative in the passing game because you, there's always another way to skin a cat. You can't always think you're going to go in and be able to just run the football because sometimes you're going to be men down. So you must be able to adjust. And most coaches, their philosophy, they usually don't change. That's why I say tweak. Nobody's saying throwing around the yard like it's the greatest show on turf. But we're also saying, hey, man, well, there's another way to skin a cat. In every game, our defense is not going to shut people down. Not in this day and age. It just won't happen. You're not going to win a championship that way. You have to be able to beat them in multiple ways. Do you think he's willing to tweak the offense to a certain extent? I, I think there's definitely a willingness um, because the thing that they've been so, so successful with in the last couple of years, Blaine, is obviously you know success, a rate of success in one-score games. That was not the case this year. They were 5-6. and six. Uh, in one-score games, and I think that combined with the number of leading the league in three and outs and, you know, obviously the personnel issues being a problem, but them not being able to, you know, when it got down to it, they just flatly couldn't play the style of football that they have been coached to play at this point or that they've been trying to implement with a roster that wasn't the roster that they started the season with. So I think that he's definitely, uh, I mean, in moving on from Todd, whether you think that's a fall guy situation or not, because ultimately philosophical choices are made by the head coach. And Mike is on that headset Mm -hmm. and involved very heavily in the discussion as to what it is gets done in those situations. Um, You know, I think there's, he's not, he's not dense. (laughs) In fact, I believe him to be of above average intelligence. And I think he's going to look at 21 Derrick Henry first, uh, first down carries that yielded only 59 yards against the Jags and be like, okay, at a certain point, like we're just throwing away first downs because that's obviously where they're at. Now, how how far he's willing to go is a different question entirely, but he's got to at least be willing to consider different tendencies because they can't they can't keep just throwing away one of three downs that they get to use with an offense like this. Yeah, but it's always easy to say, oh, we just, we, you know, we had injured offensive linemen. Those guys wouldn't even been, you know, on the roster. So we, we could keep doing that. You could easily say that. Well, not the last couple of years. Like, I mean, they're 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 three years removed. I mean, really, three years removed um, from having an offensive line that can do that. Uh, really, it's it's they their offensive line hasn't been the best version of itself since Lawan tore his ACL five or six weeks in to twenty twenty. I mean, they right like I watched I watched a clip yesterday, and I was talking about this on on our show earlier. Um, from the 2019 divisional round where they went into Baltimore and just skunked the Ravens, like just in, in ways that were very anti-Titans, chunk plays, big passing mm-hmm. plays down the field. There wasn't a ton of volume from Tannehill, but Derek went crazy, and obviously they got defensive turnovers. But, like, it was first down play action, bomb down the field with as clean a pocket as I have seen in football in, like, the last two years. It was completely antithetical of the experience that – you know, we've seen the last two seasons. And so um, they can, you know, they can think that they can put that offensive line back together, but they haven't been able to do it for three years. So you better figure something else out. Mm-hmm. Another way to skin a cap. We're on with Buck Rising from 10 to 1 here on 104.5 The Zone. Uncle Buck, so speaking of offensive linemen, I, I, I know you're, you and Lawan and you guys know each other and you listen to Bussin and you, you know, you consume the podcast. What did you make or did you make anything about 
his comments about Keith Carter on the uh, latest episode of Bussin' with the Boys. Oh, um, I mean, yeah, working that's the vets too hard. That, say that again. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm working the vets too hard. Well, and not just that. Obviously, having a, a he called it more a professional relationship than a friendship with Keith mm-hmm. Carter, even though he said it had been an, an improved place. And um, you know, that's something that that has been a, a common refrain in my experience. I don't know if you guys remember the reporting that I did around uh, Ty Sambrello, yeah. where um, there was a, a degree of being fed up with not just having to jump in for Lawan in, in you know, these last-minute situations where something goes wrong in pregame warm-ups and all of a sudden Ty's starting, but like generally the, the feeling about Keith Carter in the room. Um, so that's not, that's not a singularly held opinion from Lawan, I was surprised that, you know, I mean, John Robinson's not lording over the podcast right now. And I don't think Ryan Cowden's busy monitoring Bussin. Um, but Taylor, who seems uh, like he's hell bent on, uh, you know, or at least manifesting getting cut at this point. I thought that was more open than anybody had been about it publicly beyond, you know, some things that, that we had had in the last, I think probably, I think a year. Sambrello, Sambrello quit in, yeah, like four or five games into 2021. Well, and even more than just the philosophical difference or whatever, like Blaine said that, you know, Lawan saying the older guys are getting worked too hard. Mm-hmm. Well, and Blaine, I mean, you, I'd, I'd value your thoughts on that more than mine because we talked about you know, just different differences in players generationally. Um, and now when you're talking about a guy like Ben, I think there's a big difference between Ben and Taylor um as far as what is earned and what is necessary even though they're not that far apart in age i think taylor's 31 now and ben is 33 um i i i'd be curious to know more blaine your thoughts on just the idea of of coaches being like that with veteran players at practice yeah i i uh i definitely agree i i don't i guess every team is in their own i guess you know, version of who they are. So when we became veteran players, I, I could tell you right now, we weren't practicing hard like that. It just, it just wasn't happening. Uh, and, and that was a Titan. When I went to Philly and I'm in year 10, all of a sudden that flipped and I had to go back to that. I was like, oh man, gra- crap, I'm going to pull a muscle because we're here practicing 100%. So I went from practicing 70% to 100 So as a veteran player, this it's almost impossible for you to think that you're going to do that an entire season. Now, I don't know anything about how hard they were practicing. But one thing I do know that I will say, most winning players who have the winning mindset, I could care less if that guy likes me or not. So that was on another question that he, you were talking about. I could care less if I make the coach like you then. That's, that's how I look at that. But as far as being a veteran, because once you're out there, now you just want to make sure you're on the same accord with your teammate who you're working with the most and making sure you understand how their plan of attack will be and making sure – Everybody else is on the same page, whether you're an offensive line working as one or you're a secondary working as one. So I'm more more so thinking that it's about assignment driven more so than we're going to just run you into the ground. Uh, so I, I, I completely agree with that. But as far as coach like you or don't like you, and I had coaches like me, don't like me. Guess what? You're going to like how I play. So that's all I care yeah. about. So when, when I get my grade well, but- and say 90 percent, guess what? I care less if you like me or not. So to me, that's the sensitivity. We can talk about generation change, and I, 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 do, I have a son that's a teenager, so I'm all into that. Now, ain't about no, oh, oh, that coach don't like. No, we're not trying to hear nothing about no coach don't like me. It, it, no, you make him like you, like your play. Mm-hmm. See, so I don't, I don't buy into that. That, that's this generation. Yeah, that is that. 
guess what? Everybody's not going to like you. And guess what? So the freak what? So what? So here's That's a big word in the house. So what? So what? The, the thing that stood out to me about beyond beyond Lawan's comments about Keith Carter is he was talking about Jordan Ruse and Corey Levin, right? Um, who he felt had played well in these last couple of starts that those two guys have been able to get. And he said something about, uh, Taylor said to the effect of, I think Jordan Ruse and Corey Levin proved some people wrong, which mm-hmm. goes to like almost an undermining of what the coach's decision was or speaks to a kind of just undermining mentality of what the coaches ended up putting out there as the final offensive line product. Now, I don't want, I don't want to read too much into that, but that coupled with, you know, Taylor publicly expressing feelings about his offensive line coach, I do think that speaks to a, a, an interesting dynamic that's presented in the room that obviously I couldn't speak to because I'm not in their right, meeting room. Right. But I just well, think I, the whole thing is very interesting right. to me. Well, what, right to this, I'm going to ask you this question. Who, who do you think makes the decisions on who makes the roster? The position coach or the head coach? Vrabel. Exactly. So all that what you just said is mute. They can say he didn't like him, didn't like him. But at the end of the day, Vrabel's the one making the decision. So Vrabel actually then messed up on it based off of theoretically that Ruse was not a player too, right? I don't disagree with that assessment. Right, because ultimately I've seen guys come and go and I go, man, how the heck did we cut him? I know the DB coach loved that dude. Guess why? Because the scouting department and the head coach was like, no can do. So people think that the individual coaches have the clout to determine if you're on the roster or not. No, they do not. My son loves this song. <laughs> That's so funny. We hear this all the time in my car. Uh, call your shot time. Brought to you by Chattanooga Whiskey 91, an award-winning small batch bourbon, and the only Tennessee high malt featuring tasting notes of toasted honey and graham cracker. You could have just let that play, Lucas. It's a real winner available at your local retail store, Chattanooga Whiskey 91. Mm. Playing on the screen. All right, who have you guys got for... Oof. Your shot caller and big baller situation for this weekend. Well, I've got one Robert Walsh in my ear here in the control room uh, talking about the Ravens and of about course. their chances against Cincinnati this weekend. And I don't know. I think you might be convincing me that the Ravens might be able to drag the Bengals down in the mud with them, especially if Tyler Huntley is the starter. So I will call the shot. Maybe not that the Ravens will win in Cincinnati Sunday night, but that they will at least cover the nine-and-a-half-point spread at the Cincinnati Bengals if Tyler Huntley does indeed play. I'll go one step further. No, no, I can't, I can't even let you get off the boat right there, Lucas. Get oh. back in, and we're going to have to start pedaling. Listen. This, You're not going to say they're going to win, are you? Listen, it, what would you expect me to do? It's a, it's, a, it's a fan. You know what fan is short for? Fanatic. Yeah. Fanatic. Fantasy land, which is I, what you're living in and right I'll, now. And I'll <laughs> live in that right now yeah. because, listen – they're the bully, right? They're the bully that wants to push you around. They put you in the locker. They give you a wedgie. They take your lunch money. And you know what you do with a bully? You walk right up to them. You look them in the eye and you say, you may kick my ass, but you're going to have to. You're going to have to because we'll pull you in the mud. If they don't blow it out, if they don't come in and score uber amounts of points, if they let it get stay close, okay. we're going to drag them <laughs> to the deep, and they're going to have to swim their tiger booties back to shore. 
So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to call my shot. They're going to beat the Bengals. And I don't give a rip what happens the rest of the playoffs because I despise them. I do not like them. I hope Bengals go endangered after this weekend. uh, The Ravens are going to win 19-17. All right. Robert just cut a wrestling promo here during the uh, the segment. He he said the Ravens are going to beat the Bengals. He did. Without, Without Lamar. With yeah, the third string quarterback? They're going to be biting that. kneecaps, Blaine. Oh, no. Man. I do think it'll be close and ugly, but I don't yeah. think they've got enough to close and ugly their yeah. way to a win over yeah. Joe Burrow and his just stockpile hey, of hey, weapons. But close and ugly is enough to cover. Yes, clugly. Clugly. All right, well, we got that pumped out of the production house over there, Blaine, so top that. I don't know. I'll let you go try to top that. Yeah, right. You never followed the top that guy. <laughs> That's true. You never followed that guy. And they, yeah, they never followed that guy. That guy. All right, I'm going to blow y'all's minds. Uh-oh. In week 18, the Chargers lost to the Broncos 31-28. to But dumb butt Brandon Staley played his starters. And guess who got hurt? Mike Williams. And is now out for multiple weeks with, what, a broken bone in his back? Yeah. That he caught on, what, a two-yard screen pass or something? Well, by the way, when he first got into the league, he messed up his back really bad, had surgery, missed the entire season. Yep. So this dummy, who's the dumbest (laughs) dummy of all dummies, I found this from Bolt Beat on Twitter. Bolt Beat. L.A. Chargers, 8-2 and in games when Mike Williams played and was healthy. They were 2-4 and in games when he got hurt or did not play. Here's what's going to happen. They're going to lose in Jacksonville to the Jags. And the ownership of the Chargers is going to go, bye, dummy. And then they go hire Sean Payton. This is going to get him canned. That's yeah. a good shot. Oh, my. I can see that. Hey, Ooh, you dropping the mic. I don't have any. Oh, now I got to follow you. <laughs> he left the building. <laughs> oh, man, I can't follow you. I, 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 I can't. How can I top this? I got to make up something now, Robert. Well, uh, I, I gave you the chance because oh, I knew man. I had a uh, cow. Oh, cow. man. Dang it. That's what I'm. All right, I'm. I'm uh, I'm just gonna say something. You speaking of dummies, I'm about to say something dumb. Do you want to think and let me get Ali's Mm -hmm. shot on the phone? No, I'm gonna just give you my dumb answer now. Okay, Okay. Seahawks are gonna beat the 49ers. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's go to Ali. Hey, man, real quick, what's your shot, buddy? Uh, first of all, a Ravens fan on Titans Radio? No, the Ravens are about to get demolished. Joe Burrow's gonna be jumping. Up and down, the Ravens don't have a shot. I hope the Redbirds get shut out 56-0. We don't like that ugly purple Redbird around here. Uh, t- tell that guy in the studio that. You just did. <laughs> oh, and he's gone. All right, he was just mad. All right, shots called. Robert Walsh. Uh, Ali does not like you. I'm on side with him on that. I don't like you either. I like you. I'm just kidding. I love Robert Walsh. He is a Ravens fan. It's his biggest flaw. Hey, hey, that's okay. It is. Hey, different strokes for different folks, man. Robert Walsh is a magic maker around here. So is Lucas and Blaine, and I'm just holding on. But the word love in front of Ravens for me will never happen. In the words of Flipper. All right, we got to go because it's time for (laughs) 3 But in the meantime. In between time. Peace. Let's see. Something different for dinner. 
searching restaurants near me. Right here, ma'am. How can we help? Gee, same old, same old. Wait, we're, we're right here, ma'am. Our restaurant's just a few blocks from you. Why is she not seeing us? Back to the usual, I guess. Ma'am, can you not see us? Nope, they can't see you. Because you're buried deep in the list of local restaurants. You are invisible online. Introducing Cumulus Boost. Get a boost, get found, get on the map. Learn more at CumulusBoost.com. Hey, everybody. This is Dan Bespris, host of Fantasy NBA Today, a daily fantasy basketball podcast. We cover every box score from every game every day. Plus bonus shows on buy low opportunities, players to stash, schedule analysis, and really anything you could need to smash your league into deliciously tiny pieces. Catch the Fantasy NBA Today podcast, part of the Believe Network, on YouTube or wherever you listen. The Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. This is one of the all-time best pieces of advice ever given on the show. Actor Rain Wilson. The number one thing that psychologists point to with young people of why they are struggling so much in this mental health epidemic is they don't have resilience. So how do you build resilience if you don't understand suffering itself? The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen. 